Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice, fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is September 10th. We have one week of real football in the books. So we got lots to talk about. My name is Michael Nazarak. I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very good friend and very experienced co-host and great, fantastic fantasy football writer <laughs> extraordinaire chris rito how you doing tonight chris well i hope i can live up to half of those accolades but i'm doing pretty well tonight i can't complain it's been a crazy day in football well, that's good sure. we're going to talk about it soon oh gosh i mean we can't seem to get through a day without something new happening with antonio brown but <laughs> before we get into antonio brown we'll, we'll, we'll cover something else that everyone has been asking me uh, personally, a lot of subscribers have been asking the, the people that drafted Melvin Gordon, whether they drafted him early in the in the summer, late in the summer, uh, they were hoping that he was going to show up, and he didn't show up. And, of course, now, uh, you know, one week's in the books. Austin Eckler ran wild, three scores, including the game winner. Justin Jackson had a fairly decent game, too. Uh, the Chargers won the game. Uh, they're happy about that. But, of course, they want Melvin Gordon back. And the news broke on Sunday morning that it looks like he's probably going to show up sometime between – Week 6 and Week 8, the deadline is Week 10 in order for him to get a season accrued as a season play in the NFL towards free agency. Um, the fantasy impact here, the question I'm getting, uh, Chris, is uh, people with Melvin Gordon, what did they do with him? Did they hold him? Did they trade him? Did they cut him? What, what, I'm, I'm, I'll give a little bit about what I think, but I want, I want people to know what, what would you do if you own Melvin Gordon right now? Well, if you own him. You have to keep him, I think. You have to keep him. He's just got too much week-to-week potential to, to just flat-out cut. You spent at, at least uh, probably a sixth or seventh round pick on him, maybe higher depending on who you are. So you can't let him go for nothing. And you can't trade him because you're just not going to get value for him. Nobody's going to give you what he's worth come fantasy playoff time. So I think you have to just hold him and hope. And I've got to believe that no matter how good Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson do between now and then, when Melvin Gordon's there and when Melvin Gordon gets broken back in and loosened up, he's going to be Melvin Gordon, or at least he's going to, he's going to have the better potential to do that week to week than an Austin Eckler would. So, unfortunately, you just got to sit him on the end of your bench and hold him and, and hope to God he comes back and he comes back ready to go. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, and that's uh, basically what I said in the newsletter. Uh, it became a big uh, train of thought in, in the newsletter. I was like, I, did, I thought we went over this, but I guess we didn't. So anyway, uh, I'm like you. you. If you own him, you got to you got to you got to hold him, and you're not going to get the trade value. So, somebody came to me and said, well, uh, somebody wants to trade me uh, Todd Gurley for him, and I'm like, no, 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 because Todd Gurley is an official timeshare, even though he's the lead back. Obviously, there's something going on with his knee; he can't play a whole game. The Rams are keeping him fresh, and look. 
what happened this past week, Malcolm Brown, not Daryl Henderson. I was telling everyone this this past summer, I had Malcolm Brown consistently ranked ahead of Daryl Henderson in the rankings, and I was getting questions about it. And people were like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, all I know is that they, they matched the offer sheet that the Saints side signed, uh, signed him to, and they want him back. And he's the, he's the veteran. He's the experienced player. And Daryl Henderson had one carry in that game. And, and Malcolm Brown got the scores. Now, there will be some games where Todd Gurley does score and have good games and all, but I think it's going to be back and forth in there. The bottom line is that you're not going to get this type of production that Melvin Gordon would give you singularly, uh, you know, come fantasy playoff after week 10, if, if you traded him for Todd Gurley now, if you could just, you know, gut it out and hopefully your squad can stay 3-3 three and three or 4-4 four and four after six or eight weeks, and then when you get your stud Melvin Gordon back, you just plug him in the lineup, plug and play, and, you know, he's going to score 20-plus points most week if he stays healthy. You know, that's that's the thing. And like you say, you've got to keep him on your bench. You've got to hold him. And the worst thing you could do is cut him to pick up somebody like a Ronald Jones or so, somebody like that. I mean, it, it, it's crazy, but that's the questions that we've been getting asked, and, you know, I guess people need to be told, you know, patience. Patience is a virtue, and in this case, you have to have it. Anyway, uh, let, let's. Uh, we were just saying this about Todd Gurley playing. He played 54 snaps on Sunday out of like 70 something, and yet he didn't score, but he looked good in spurts. The fantasy impact of the timeshare, uh, Chris. Todd Gurley. You say you got Todd Gurley. You just plug him in there. Are you looking to trade Mal- uh, to get Malcolm Brown, or maybe you're looking to trade Gurley to the Malcolm Brown owner to to beef up something else? What are you going to do if you got Todd Gurley now? Because you're obviously disappointed. Well, you can be a little disappointed that you didn't get those goal line carries, but but Gurley really didn't look bad. If you, I don't know how much of the game that a lot of our, our listeners watched, Todd Gurley actually didn't look bad, and he did get a fair number of touches. Um, so. I'm not entirely sure you should get rid of him. That is a high-powered offense that could, in the worst-case scenario, fully support two fantasy startable running backs, a la what the Saints have done many times in the last few years. So, I I mean, most people didn't consider Todd Gurley a first-round pick this year, so I don't know if you could be disappointed unless you expected, you know, the, the supernatural 25, 20, 30 points a game from Todd Gurley, which I think still could happen on occasion going forward. So, I'm actually a, a hold on, on Todd Gurley, and I don't think he's necessarily worth giving up on or panicking over because he didn't get these touchdowns in week one. I think some of those will come, but he is going to share some time with Malcolm Brown, like you said, to keep him fresh, to make sure they get him for 16 weeks plus the postseason instead of 14 huge weeks and then nothing at the end of the year like they had last year because he wore down. Yeah, uh, I had a whole bunch of uh, late drafts because I played in the FFPC main event. Uh, I have three teams in that, and we on two of the teams we had late first round picks, and specifically we went running back first because I didn't want to be faced with the choice of possibly being forced to take a Todd Gurley in the second round, and that's where he was going second, like third, fourth, fifth, sixth pick of the second round. And uh, you know, in that situation, most of the time people were drafting him as a one running back because they were going wide receiver first and turn around to one, and Cook just wasn't sliding to them. Boy. Dalvin Cook looked really good this past weekend, but uh, you know, as, as for Gurley, I, I totally agree with you there. There's going to be some games where he, you know, does get the scores and such, and he almost ran for 100 yards in this game. And when he did touch the ball, he looked good. I just, I, I don't know if they're just kind of measuring him and and uh, if he's actually even telling them, well, it's hurting. Uh, you know, let me rest for five minutes here. I don't know. It doesn't look like he's, you know, having any trouble at all. But 
the bottom line here is that you know when you drafted Todd Gurley in your second round, you expect him to score you know eight to ten at least times uh, you know in the season, and he's off to a slow start in that regard. And if you're in a basic scoring league, you're probably cursing at Malcolm Brown. But you know the bottom line here is that it, first of all, if Malcolm Brown's on your waiver wire, and there's a lot of them, are, there is. Grow out and grab them immediately if you can, or you know, cross your fingers. Maybe you lost, and that might be the best thing. You might have first dibs for this week, and so you can pair them with uh, with Gurley. And that's a whole other issue: who to start between those two. But you know, any way you look at it, you know, we wish Todd Gurley the best. We'll see what happens uh, moving forward. Whether he stays in a timeshare there with Brown, or you know, it becomes a three-headed guy, thing with Henderson or whatnot. But anyway, let's move on over to Mr. Antonio Brown. First of all, I want to say is that. It was a crazy weekend. He uh, basically engineered his release from the Raiders uh, during, right in the, in the middle of my drafts over at the FFPC on the Strip. We're like, is he, he's released? Okay, he's a free agent. Oh, he's going to go to the Patriots. Well, everyone was thinking he's going to go to the Patriots, and then boom, bang, bang, you know, three hours later, he's a Patriot. So he's signed there. He didn't play, of course. He wasn't eligible to play this past weekend, and the Patriots mopped the floor with the Steelers, who really miss Antonio Brown, and he's going to start playing for them this week coming up. Uh, so what do you think, uh, Chris, but before uh, we get to the news about what broke here about Antonio, just him as a Patriot, is is he uh, number one wide receiver for fantasy and number two or, or what? what? What do you think in your opinion? Uh, I, I think he's probably or possibly still a number one. Definitely any given week he could be the number one guy, but I'm not as sure that he's going to get the, the volume and the target share that he would have got with the Raiders and certainly that he got with Pittsburgh. Um, it, it, there's just too many mouths to feed there, and, there, and Tom Brady is too smart of a quarterback not to use hit whoever's open and not force feed a single guy. You also have the whole Belichick factor where some weeks he'll just decide he's not going to pass the ball and he'll run the ball 37 straight times. So you, there, you, you're never going to get that anywhere else with Antonio Brown where he's going to get force fed at 10 to 12 to 15 targets a game. So I, I do think he, his his volume clearly will be reduced here because of the other quality wide receivers, the quality of the of the, the the quarterbacking, and the nature of their offense. That being said, he's still a guy who you would put into your lineup every week, no doubt about it, no matter what. Uh, and and certainly he'd be playing with a much better overall offense than he would at any other point, certainly with the Raiders this year. Okay, and that brings me to my next point about the news that broke just today, literally a couple hours before showtime, that Antonio Brown has been accused of sexual assault and rape. Uh, these incidences apparently happened in 2017, 2018 with a training partner of his, a woman, and uh, it gets pretty graphic and what types of things happened, and there were some emails or some text messages and such. But this is important to note that he hasn't been charged with anything criminally. This is a civil lawsuit, and under the, those guidelines, he's still eligible to play and be a patriot, uh, <laughs> produce, I guess, on the field of play while this goes through the court system. So uh, what does this do for your feeling? Uh, about Antonio Brown, and do you think that the Patriots are going to? What are they going to do about it? Are they just going to watch uh, from afar, or or uh, keep an eye on them? What 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 can they do? What what do, what do you think about everything? Well, they can do a lot of things. They could they could actually say, you know, we're not even going to get into this circus and cut him. They clearly won't. They've put up with a lot from other guys. But it is worth noting that all of the other uh, I'll call them circuses that the other players brought to town, or all the guys with a lot of baggage. Every single one of them, to a man, when they've got to New England, everyone said he's been a model citizen. They, they've all completely bought in, changed their, 
their outward uh, issues and, and back-behind-the-scenes issues, they all went away when they got to Foxborough. Literally the first day he's there, this kind of stuff comes out. So this will be an interesting test to see how much they'll tolerate, how much they'll, they'll just suck it up and deal with, and how much they're actually going to say that's not the way we do things here. My guess is they're going to sit back and watch for a bit, but if more things start to come out about the quality or the caliber of person he is, which people are already questioning, quite frankly, people are already questioning what kind of person this guy is. And these emails that came out today, they don't really address the sexual assault issue, but they clearly show him to be just, frankly, not a very smart and not a quality human being. And I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to go any farther into it. Do they want that to represent their brand? And I don't know how much more they can take when you've got guys like Aaron Hernandez and these other characters that have been part of their organization in recent years. This is going to be a real interesting test of how much they can stomach. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because they and also earlier today before the news broke about this uh, this issue, the civil lawsuit, uh, that the Patriots uh, surprisingly traded Demarius Thomas to their uh, division rival, New York Jets, and in a way, that tells me that they're not even scared of the Jets at all. Then they're not even worried about what kind of uh, you know giving them additional talent or whatnot. Either that, or they just thought Demaris Thomas was uh, basically worthless. Although he did look pretty good in that one game he played in the preseason, but uh, it, it showed to me that they're they're ready to hold on to Antonio Brown. And then this happens, and you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens this week and this this coming week's game and and how things go and. And what if Antonio only gets five or six targets and and doesn't uh, and only catches a couple of short passes? Is he going to blow up about it? Uh, you know, it's it's just going to be a very interesting week in New England to see what the heck happens with this guy and uh, what and, and and where things go. So as of today, anyway, let's start, you start him this week. Oh yeah, definitely. As long as he's on the team and he's expected to play come Sunday morning, then you you start him if you own him. Anyway, but let's get Antonio right Brown uh, to change hour to hour. You never know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hour to hour. You keep your eye, keep your ear listening to the radio and your eye on the internet. Okay, uh, injuries real quick. Uh, Nick Foles unfortunately broke his collarbone. The quarterback for uh, the Jaguars. He's been placed on IR, designated for return. Expected to miss eight plus games. Gardner Minshew, the sixth round draft pick, uh, it takes over, and he uh, really impressed against the Chiefs. But so they might have something there with Minshew. But you know, it's only one game, and no one had any game film on him. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, running back Joe Mixon with an ankle with Cincinnati, he's day-to-day. He might not actually play this week, so if you're lucky like we are and have uh, Gio Marty Bernard on our team, Chris, uh, then we could just plug in Gio and, and we'll we'll see what happens later this week, see if we need to do that. Tevin Coleman has a high ankle sprain over in uh, 49ers. He's out indefinitely, likely two to six weeks there. Matt Bright is going to start, and then Raheem Mostert is the uh, hot uh, fantasy free agent to pick up one of them along with Mal- Malcolm Brown for the day uh, there. Uh, he's going to be backing up uh, and sharing time with uh, Bida. Darius Geis, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, before the season began, I was like the only player I'm going to ever draft uh, out of the Washington's team now. Of course, there are some good receivers there now, or, or they've got potential. Well, a running back was Adrian Peterson, and then they said he was going to make him inactive. I said, oh, great. I gave, gave really good advice there, right? Now, Geis couldn't even hardly make it through one game, looked terrible. They uh, looked at not his uh, reconstructed ACL knee. The other knee is giving him issues, so he's out at least a couple of weeks. It might be more, and Adrian Peterson goes from inactive out. Outhouse to the uh, to to the penthouse. 
announce the starting role this week. So if AP's on your waiver wire, somebody might have dropped, cut him or something before this news broke, then uh, pick him up. Uh, or if he wasn't drafted because of it, uh, pick him up. Ronald Jones with a toe. He practiced on Tuesday. He's set to play with, uh, with uh, the Buccaneers, of course, this Thursday. They play Carolina. Uh, moving on over to wide receiver Tyreek Hill, a big uh, injury, shoulder injury, impacted his sternum and all, was hospitalized for a time period. He's expected to miss at least a few weeks. They're considering putting him on IR. Haven't heard anything. Well, I guess we'll get an update later this week, but he, I would count him out probably from anywhere from two to eight weeks there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, injured, uh, minor injury on a toe uh, late in the game, uh, meaningless when he was playing. Shouldn't have been playing at that point, but it looks like he's expected to play this week. We'll see if he gets through the week of practice. A.J. Green with an still out at least another one plus week if not you know, three or four Mike Williams with the knee uh, status is uncertain there he heard it in the game this past Sunday uh, the Chargers are looking at it we'll see what happens there Sterling Shepard does have a concussion uh, in New York for the Giants the last thing they need there his status is uncertain we'll see if he makes it through the week and recovers in time Devin Funches over in your time, uh, area of the country there broke his collarbone placed on ID, IDFR uh, is an uh, injured reserve designated for return probably um, well he's gone at least eight weeks if he comes back uh, for the Colts Albert Wilson with the calf uh, injured it again uh, status is uncertain there but you know it looks like the, the, the Dolphins are tanking that's another whole thing to discuss Kiki Guti with the ankle did not play on Monday night status is uncertain there OJ Howard with the ankle he practiced on Tuesday for the Bucks. he looks like he's probably going to play on Thursday good news there Greg Olson with the back he said he got jacked up on the game, the game, so he was not practicing Monday. He was absent today. They talked to him. He says he's going to play, but it's going to be kind of tough, so he's not going to be 100%. So uh, people out there with Olsen, if you've got a better alternative, you might want to sit him this week on a short week. Uh, Jordan Reed with a concussion. Who knows? We'll see later this week if he plays. Trey Burton with that sports hernia. He was iffy at last-minute uh, game-time scratch last uh, Thursday night. We'll see if he can play. And Will Disley with the knee. A status is certain there. One kicker note, Mike Badgley with the groin. We'll see if he can kick in practice later this week. Otherwise, he'll miss another week. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's Expert League Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim redrafter, dynasty, keeper, auction, salary cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, everybody, come check out our website at ffmastermind.com. Lots of good free stuff there, men. Um, our NFL Quick Bits page, we've been updating news items throughout the NFL consistently, constantly for 24 years. So that's ffmastermind.com slash quickbits.php. And, of course, we're uh, posting free Eye in the Sky scanning reports, including those on the Colts from Chris Rito here each week. Moving forward, previews the coming week's games and reviews last week's games. And, of course, what we do here for a living, produce weekly fantasy newsletters with daily premium injury quick bits and daily releases, expanded to picks to click and flick, uh, the market feature. Golly, I mean, it, what a week. I ranked uh, 26 running backs and 29 wide receivers from a fantasy perspective for people to pick up in their fantasy leagues. 
Uh, I don't think I missed anyone there. <laughs> anyway, uh, the NFL game matchup analysis rankings, especially of John Cooney, and I've added my uh, mastermind moments for each of the games uh, each week. Uh, they, they were climbing in for more, so I'm trying to give them more. And, of course, we uh, we release our rankings uh, for each week in tiers on Wednesday night and update then on Saturday. And, uh, of course, we add in uh, from, from uh, some fantasy reaches. And, of course, our premium injury quick bits as uh, quick moving on Sunday morning with inactive lists and such. That's normally $35.95. If you're listening right now, we're offering you a $6 premium newsletter discount code. It is EDGE6, E-D-G-E-6. So if you go to our website and click order there and bring up the newsletter and it's thirty five ninety five, you can get six dollars off if you use the code Edge Six. It'll cost you just twenty nine ninety five at the seventeen percent discount. Please follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. All right, let's get to the picks to click and flick for week two. Give me a couple of quarterbacks you like this week, Chris, and why. I like Big Ben this week. I mean, Seattle is so much tougher at home than on the road, and at home they just allowed Andy Dalton to throw for over 400 yards. And then you look at Big Ben, his home splits are just a thing of legend, and he's got a bad taste in his mouth after underperforming on Sunday night football against the Patriots. So I can see the Steelers' passing game having a lot of success against this unit that is way more focused and better at stopping the run and that crosses three time zones. And second week in a row, I'm going to to buck up again and go with Jameis Winston, even though he let us down last week. He put up unspectacular numbers in what should have been a plus matchup. But except for a couple of second-half brain farts, he actually was pretty effective. And he did have two touchdowns taken off the board on penalties. So I look back at his record on short weeks and on Thursday night football games. It's really solid, averaging 315 yards a game. And his last three divisional road games, he's averaging 350 yards a game and two-plus touchdowns. I'm rolling with him again this week. Okay, a couple of quarterbacks I like this week. What's not to like with Lamar Jackson? Of course, he threw five touchdowns. Of course, that was against the tanking Miami Dolphins. But I think he's going to blow it up again, this time against the Cardinals, because they're not hardly any better. They allowed uh, Matthew Stafford to come in to Arizona and throw for 385 yards and three scores. So I think uh, Lamar Jackson is going to blow it up again, uh, start him if you own him. Josh Allen, Buffalo, he struggled against the Jets. But the Giants are not the Jets. Uh, their defense is not nearly as good. Dak Prescott had the biggest fantasy game of the season so far against the Giants uh, this past week, and I think Josh Allen's going to break out against the Giants. So don't, uh, if you got him uh, and you're thinking about maybe seeing somebody else and uh, should I start Josh Allen, I, I go ahead and do it. A couple of guys I'm not crazy about this week, Jacoby Brissett in Indianapolis. I'll tell you that Titans, Titans defense is impressive. They, uh, they messed with uh, Baker Mayfield's head. <laughs> So, uh, of course, Jacoby's a little bit better in terms of running and such, but uh, I think he, it's going to be a down week for Jacoby. And Joe Flacco, Denver, uh, guess what? He's playing the Bears. I know it's on the road in Denver, but uh, he struggled to do much of anything through a late touchdown pass against the Raiders. Uh, so, uh, against the Bears, he'd be, be lucky to do that, so I'd sit him this week. Give me a couple quarterbacks you're not crazy about and why, Chris. Well, for obvious reasons, I don't. I wouldn't even think about Kyler Murray this week. He, if you watch the game, he was actually beyond terrible for three quarters while playing with a friendly crowd, and he salvaged a solid fantasy day because the Lions fell asleep in the fourth quarter, and he got to play a fifth quarter. This week, the rookie gets a really rude awakening, crossing the country and facing one of the league's toughest Ds in Baltimore. This could get ugly fast. And then another guy that had a good week on paper but didn't pass the eye test was Phillip Rivers. Um, what, I, obviously, I watched a lot of the game against the Colts, but he just really didn't look that great, even though he put up good numbers. All three of his touchdowns were fluky, and he might lose, might likely lose Mike Williams this week. So I think going to Detroit, which has a better pass defense than many think, especially in the secondary, he could struggle. 
It's also worth noting that he now has seven straight games under 300 yards while playing in the Eastern time zone over the last three seasons. So going all the way east does not serve him well. Okay, what about a couple of running backs you like and why? You mentioned him earlier. I like Gio Bernard this week because I don't think Mixon's going to play. Every time in his career he's been asked to step up for an injured starter, he's put up very solid numbers as an every down back. He averaged 23 PPR points per game two games while Mixon sat last year, 17.5 points per game in the same situation for the last five games of 17. He's going to get his targets, perhaps could even get 20 touches this week against a Frisco team that allowed the putrid Tampa backs to rush for over 100 yards and catch seven balls. And then I like Stoney Michelle this week. As I mentioned earlier, Belichick, one week will switch to the exact opposite. I think this is the week he gets his running game cranked up against a Miami team that showed it can't stop anybody on the ground and whose only talent lies in the pass secondary. He also, Michelle had 20-plus carries in each Miami game last year and should have ample chances at touchdowns or kill the clockwork in this one. You stick with him again this week. Okay, uh, a couple of guys I like this week. Uh, Devin Singletary did a lot with a little last week. Well, I think he's going to get a lot more touches, and against the Giants, I think he's going to score. So four carries, 70 yards against the, uh, the Jets last week, uh, while Frank Gore had 11 for 20. I think Frank Gore's about done in this league, but Devin Singletary is definitely going to take over that backfield sooner than later. I like him this week. Derrick Henry, what's not to like here? I think he's going to have another big game uh, against the Colts at home this week. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Austin Eckler, uh, you know, uh, uh, just really right through uh, the Colts' uh, run game, and it's a different type of running back. But uh, Derrick Henry took a screen pass and ran 75 yards for a score last week. So uh, you can't sit Derrick Henry, and I think he's going to have a big game. A couple of guys I'm kind of concerned about this week. Royce Freeman, people are like, well, now it's a 50-50 timeshare with Lindsey and all, but Freeman only had one uh, pass target in that game and only one or two very fairly good runs. Uh, guess what? He's going against the Bears, and they don't allow any good runs. So probably you're looking at 20, 30 yards there, uh, maybe a catch or two, and that's about it. I'd sit him. And Aaron Jones, uh, he goes from the Bears to the Vikings. Oh, yeah, not good. Uh, I know that uh, that they're playing at home, but I think this is going to be Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, uh, in the MBS game. So you sit Aaron Ro- uh, Jones if you can uh, possibly. Uh, a couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why, Chris? Two guys you're, you're almost surely not going to bench, but I think you should temper your expectations. One is David Johnson. I mean, the the Ravens, obviously, are the Ravens. They've only allowed an average of 51 rushing yards per game in their last eight games, heading back to the middle of last year. You know, going on the road against this very stingy defense. I'm not saying he's not matchup proof, but this is pretty close to testing that, that limitations of whether I'd start David Johnson. And then uh, Dalvin Cook, I actually I don't think he's going to do it again this week. I mean, the Vikings ran the ball. 80% of the time last week because they had a huge lead and because Atlanta's run defense is absolutely terrible. But this week they got a Packers team that held the Bears to about three yards per carry on 29 rushes last week. I suspect the game plan is going to involve more passing this week. I mean, there's a reason the Bears threw 46 passes last week against the Packers. They thought it was going to work. So I think the volume just might not be there for Dalvin Cook. Okay, how about a couple of wide receivers you like and why? I like D.J. Moore on Thursday night. Normally I stay away from the passing game in early season Thursday night matchups, but this one's juicy. I think these teams know each other's weakness as well. Moore also had a really high target share of 26% last week that I didn't expect on his 10 targets, even with Olsen getting nine and McCaffrey being there sucking things up. You know, seven catches on 10 targets against a really good secondary bodes well for his success against a very beatable Tampa secondary on the short week. And then for the second week in a row, I'm, I'm going to go with John Brown. He obviously made us look good last week. He proved he's the best deep threat and the leading target in that passing game. 
And this week it's a tee off against a giant secondary that was just shredded by the Cowboys for multiple deep scores and an aerial assault on all levels. Another big day for, for Brown and Allen this week. Yep, uh, those Brown boys are pretty good. And the other new one on the scene, Marquise Hollywood Brown, uh, had the big scores last week. Only uh, caught four passes, but two of them went for long scores. Well, I'm sticking with him as long as he can get one practice in and they say he's good to go and he's going to start against the Cardinals this week. So <laughs> uh, he's just too good to pass up there, so I'm starting him. Um, I did draft him in a couple of leagues, including the FFPC. Didn't start him last week because, you know, who's going to start Hollywood Brown there week one when he's unproven? But one game later, I'm starting him. Michael Gallup, we also have got him on a, on a, a lot of teams here. The Redskins, they can be dur- burned deep by the deep threat because Deshaun Jackson did it twice last week. So I like Michael Gallup this week. If you got him, start him if you can. Um, a couple of flicks I don't like. Uh, Dante Pettis, two snaps last week. Yeah. Uh, nope. Sit on my bench. Philip Dorsett, New England. Antonio Brown's in the house. How many plays do you think that Philip Dorsett might actually only play two snaps this week? Because you know A.B.'s playing. So I sit Philip Dorsett this week. How about a couple of wide receivers not crazy about and why, Chris? Second week in the road, T.Y. Hilton makes my list. I'm going to keep him as a flick. I know he scored two touchdowns last week, but again, like some of the other guys I mentioned, he didn't pass the eye test. He did not look that great or that involved, a lot of short stuff. Uh, both of his touchdowns were a little bit fluky, so I, I, I'm not really that that can, that sold on him being a stud guy, against, especially against a really good defense like Tennessee. And then Tennessee is really focused on clamping down on him. Three of his last four versus Tennessee, he had one or two catches only including a combined three catches on the last two games in Tennessee and a combined three catches in the two games with Jacoby Brissett in 2017. This is a real caution play, a lot of reasons to say Hilton could be limited. And I don't like Alshon Jeffrey. He only had six targets on the game despite Wentz dropping back 40 times, and he salvaged a solid day with a fluky rushing score to add to his totals. I think the Atlanta rush defense is awaiting, so I can see them using their running back by committee and just blasting them with a lot of runs and protecting Wentz from taking too many shots by limiting his volume. He's going to have to do more before I put him in my lineup every week. Yeah, I tell you, I saw that second uh, touchdown by T.Y. Hilton across the short crossing pattern. I'm like, I'm sure he's going to be tackled. Nope. Nope. <laughs> that was the worst set of tackling that I've seen since Vernon Davis's touchdown earlier in the day against the Eagles where he had him pinned against the sideline and somehow let him go. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, a couple of tight ends you like and why. Love Darren Waller this week. I mean, you saw what he did last week. He was their leading receiver in targets and receptions. And then they get Kansas City, who was dead last in the NFL defending the tight end last year, looked vulnerable to the position again on Sunday, giving up eight grabs on nine targets to a Jacksonville team that doesn't have any good tight ends. So I, I think with a likely high-volume day for Carr, Waller's going to get his again this week. And then I like Jimmy Graham this week. If you watch the Green Bay game on Thursday, you, you could notice that Graham had a much better game than the stats indicate, even though he scored a touchdown. Rodgers just missed him on a couple of deep strikes. And then he got interfered with on another. So he's getting open down the deep seam. And the Vikings were just carved up by Austin Hooper last week for nine catches. So I think this might be a real plus matchup for Graham. By the way, Graham had his best fantasy day as a Packer last year at home versus Minnesota. Six catches for 95 yards. 
Okay, a couple of tight ends I like this week. Uh, Mark Andrews, boy, nice debut there. Uh, well, debut, he wasn't really his debut, but for the season it was. Uh, Lamar Jackson really liked him, and then even when RG3 came in the game, he threw a touchdown to him, eight, eight passes, 100 yards or so, and a score. So I like uh, like him this week. And O.J. Howard, Tampa Bay, I think he's going to produce nicely against the Panthers on, on uh, a Thursday night. And like you said, I think Winston is going to rebound in this game. Uh, you know, hook up better with O.J. Howard. So if you got him, don't run away from him. Stick with him this week. I think he's going to produce. A couple of guys I'm worried about this week. Kyle Rudolph, one target. Of course, there was only 10 passes thrown in that game. But until he does absolutely something, there's just no way you can trust him. And then over in Indianapolis, you had Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I'm going to be throwing to my backs in my in the T.Y. Hilton, and I don't need to really throw to Jack Doyle and, and Eric Ebron. And they were barely in the game. A lot of key situations, short short field and such. What they weren't even playing. Ebron wasn't even playing. So uh, you, he just wasn't. He's not targeting the tight end like he used to two years ago. So I sit those guys. How about a, a couple of tight ends you're not crazy about and why? I'm worried about Vance McDonald. I'm, I do see Big Ben rebounding this week, but I'm not so sure McDonald's going to be a part of it. The Seahawks are way more susceptible on the outside and deeper downfield or to running back dump-offs. So with McDonald not even getting a target until after the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter of a blowout, he's going to have to show me something before I take him off my blacklist. Solid linebackers of the, of the Seahawks could make that breakout wait another week. And then I know this sounds crazy, but the big sexy pick from last week was T.J. Hawkinson. One thing I know about rookie tight ends, they are erratic. I also know that the Chargers just held a much better duo of Ebron and Doyle, like you just mentioned, in a tight end, generally a tight end-focused offense, to a combined two catches last week. And while he clearly got a lot more targets from Stafford, he was still indeed significantly outsnapped by Jesse James. So I think the Lions are going to run the ball just like Indy did on the Chargers last week, and the chances of less passes and more James in the lineup to block looms on the horizon. It's a comeback-to-earth week. Okay, it's time for your one-hit wonders at kicker and defense. Hit me with them, Chris. All right, I mentioned this guy last week. I love him. Joey Sly, Carolina. What a great name. He got three long chances, 46, 52, and 53 yards last week, hitting two of them. Thursday night, or, uh, Thursday night football usually favors the kicking game, and Tampa gives up points. So I really like the rookie this week. And then sneaky Cairo Santos uh, for Tennessee. He's probably on your waiver wire. Tennessee-Indianapolis games are always strong kicker plays. Santos hit three or four in his only game versus Indianapolis back when he was with the, the Chiefs as well. Tennessee kickers are also perfect against Indianapolis since 2012. That's two games a year. That's, that's, that's a good bet. A couple of defenses. I like the Bengals at home against the 49ers. Bengals did surprisingly well on the road in Seattle. Now they get to come home and get a shorthanded Frisco crossing three time zones. And then I like uh, uh, Indianapolis uh, at home against Tennessee. Uh, Indy actually had five turnovers and five sacks in two games against Tennessee last year and only allowed a total of 27 points. So they, and they, I think they actually played better than their stats last week. They just couldn't tackle anybody. Those tens, these tend to be low-scoring games, and I think Indy is going to have a little better game this time out. Okay, we want to remind everyone a premium package purchase or a newsletter purchase gets you free access to our subscriber premium forum where there are nearly 4,000 subscribers registered and waiting to voice their opinions to help you out in your fantasy season and all your questions. Who do I start? Who do I, what do I do here? Do I trade this guy? Lots of good talk going on in the forum. Anyway, we want to remind everyone also about that uh, discount code again. Six-star discount code on our weekly new in-season newsletter brings the cost down from thirty-five ninety-five to twenty-nine ninety-five. It's Edge Six E D G E the number six. That'll get you that uh, good deal, seventeen percent off. Anyway, thanks for joining us for Chris Reno. This is Mike Nazarek. 
We'll see you all next week when we preview week three from a fantasy perspective. Good night to everyone and good luck this week. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarak, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.